chapter 25, verse 31. And I'm going to read several verses here. Um, I'll be reading for a while because I'm going to go to verse 46 and because it's a, it's a complete story. This is, this, at this point, is not a parable. This is just Jesus saying, when I come. Amen. He says in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 30, 31, um, very powerful. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory. Everybody say glory. And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Everybody say glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left, and that could read hand. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? Uh, when saw um, we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. This is the judgment. Everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. Why do we actually think that means when we see somebody on the side of the road and they ask for food? Why are we that ignorant to actually believe he's talking about if somebody needs a meal, we didn't give it to them? Really? It's fleshly eyes. It's, it's immature people trying to decipher something that must be revealed by way of maturity. So you got people open soup, and ki soup kitchens thinking they're going to make it in the kingdom. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Right? How many of you going to go out and take a stranger into your house tonight? Make sure you get into the kingdom. And not to say that you never do it, and not to say that to some degree there is a surface meaning to it, but it's so much deeper than that. Naked and you clothed me not, sick and in prison and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Father, we just thank you and we bless you right now that you would minister out of the revelatory realm of grace. The grace where the word isn't sought out, but the word comes. What the word is not learned, but revealed. I pray for the revealed glory of God to hit this house in such a way. Look, God, even on tonight that we would walk in 
the, uh, a fullness of the kingdom that we have never walked in in our lives. Lord, our prayer is thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 31. And I want to repeat that and then I'm going to point out some things that are so imperative about this text. Matthew 25 verse number 31. It says here in Matthew 25 verse number 31, when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Notice the emphasis on glory. When the son of man shall first of all come in his he shall then sit on his throne of, there's a throne of grace, we all know. There is a judgment throne. There's the great white throne, we all know. There is now the mercy throne. There's, there, there's different types of thrones mentioned, but this one is very specific that it is a throne of glory. So when Jesus positions himself for ultimate judgment, now we got to understand this ultimate judgment is not judgment in general, but judgment of the church. This is the ultimate judgment of the church, not in general, just the world. Jesus himself, he, he now is dealing with the judgment of the church, separating the sheep from the goats, separating the wheat from the tare, separating the true believer from the false believer. Amen? Jesus makes it very clear that this judgment will be carried out as he sits upon the throne of his glory, right? Why is that important? He, he, he will make the ultimate judgment of the church specifically on the throne of his glory. Why? The reason why Jesus uh, judges the church from the throne of his glory is because he's coming back for a glorious church. He's not coming back Let's put it this way. He's not coming back until there is a glorious church in the earth. He's coming back for a glorious church. Or in other words, a lot of people say he's going to come back tomorrow. Are you lying? He could come back tonight. You are lying. Ain't no way coming back tonight because he's coming back for a glorious church. And that glorious church has not, not yet been established. He got one foot on earth and one foot on heaven. He getting mad. He ready to come. Lie, lie, and lie. He's coming back for a glorious church, which means he's not coming back until there is a church that has entered into the fullness of the glory. He intended for her to function in from the foundations of the world. So Jesus judges the church from the throne of glory because we'll be judged on how glorious we are are, not on whether or not we were delivered, not on whether or not we're still sinning, not on whether or not we're no longer drinking or no longer clubbing. He's not coming to judge us on that. He's coming to say, how much glory is on your life? How much of my splendor are you walking in? How much of the weight of my presence now exudes who you are? I'm coming back and I'm measuring glory. I'm not measuring whether you're a survivor. I'm not measuring whether or not you made it through your hard time. I'm coming back and I want to know how much glory you have. on. I'm judging from a throne of glory. Amen. So, so what we got to understand is grace is much more about giving us access to glory than keeping us from sin. Grace gives us access to glory more so than it keeps us from sin. Amen. Amen? 
Because in the glory, you don't need to tell nobody not to sin. In the glory, you can't. You know what glory is? It's unapproachable light. Darkness cannot enter. The closer darkness gets to light, the less dark darkness is. All darkness has to do to be delivered from darkness is to get closer to light. It needs no other ingredient. It needs no other formula. As darkness approaches light, darkness now um, 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 loses the ability to remain in darkness. The more glorious we are, the less we got to fight with dark. It has nothing to do with dark. At this point, I'm not fighting not to sleep around on my wife. I'm not fighting to try to not curse nobody out. I'm not fighting to try to not lose my temper because glory has already dealt with that. Now that, that has nothing to do with the purpose of my life. I've entered into a glory because of the access given by grace. Amen. It's, it's not whether or not we served in church or prospered financially or we practiced the principles of sowing and reaping. I know how to sow and reap. He's not coming back to see if you know how to sow and reap. He's coming back to see if we are glorious. Amen. He will not judge us on being a survivor. He will judge us on being glorious and continuing to become glorious. People should look at us and say, y'all, it's different. There's something about you that's different. There's something the way, about the way you talk is different. Your marriage is different. The way you handle problems is different. You don't respond like everybody else. Why? Because it's light. It's like, why aren't you like everybody else? Why aren't you responding? Because it's light. It's light. He's coming back for a glorious church. So to the degree we're glorious, we're either permitting him to come, and to the degree we're not glorious, we're forbidding him to come. Jesus doesn't come based off of how evil it is. Jesus doesn't come based off of how uh, uh, the lack of glory we're functioning in. I can't wait for Jesus to come back, but in actuality, in many cases, the church is the reason why he has not. We are forbidding the Lord from, or not permitting the Lord from coming back because he can't come back until it's a glorious church. Because he's already said, that's what I'm coming back for. So to the degree we're not walking in glory, to that degree we're actually hindering his coming. He's as here as we are glorious. I'm going to say that again. Right now, he's as here as we are glorious. Amen? Right now. Now, this is what we got to understand about glory. So I got to teach about glory a little bit. And, and ultimately, we first of all understand that glory is about glorifying God. We understand that. But he's talking about us being glorious. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. The word glory comes from the Greek word doxa. Doxa is the Greek word for glory. Now, this is so powerful. It means opinion. Glory's meaning is Opinion. Glory actually means a personal view or personal appraisal of someone else. It is now someone's opinion of someone else. That's the definition of glory. Everybody follow what I'm saying? So glory at its core is first and foremost an opinion. 
What is glory in regards to God and us? Glory is the Father's opinion of us in Christ. I'm going to say that again. My God, I hope you don't miss that. Glory is the Father's. See, it's still an opinion until we're in him. Right now, the Father has an opinion of us called glory. But it's only in the realm called opinion. Glory moves out of the realm of opinion into the realm of reality to the measure we come into agreement with the Father's opinion of us in Christ. Without agreement, glory remains an opinion. With agreement, glory becomes identity. Until you agree with God's opinion of you in Christ, it's just an opinion. But to the degree we agree with his opinion, it becomes our reality. So to the measure we come into agreement with the Father's glorious opinion of us, that we are holy. Everybody say, we are holy. We are completely, irreversibly free. Say, I am completely, irreversibly free. I can't backslide. To, I am the image of Christ. To the measure our, we agree, do you understand that's the Father's opinion of us? Right? That's the Father's opinion of you right now. To the measure you agree with that opinion, to the measure I agree with that opinion, that agreement gives permission for God to release that opinion into the realm of reality and make it my identity. To the degree I agree with it, I am irreversibly free. To the degree I agree with it, I am holy and without blame. To the degree I agree with it, I am the image of God in the earth. To the degree I don't agree, it's just an opinion. Amen? Glory is doxa. It is the Father's opinion of us. Glory, now watch this, the Father's opinion of us remains in the realm of opinion awaiting our agreement to give it permission to enter into reality and become our identity. Everything Christ is, please hear this, is the Father's opinion of us. My God, that ought to hit you and make you go crazy. I'm going to say that again. Everything Christ is, is actually the Father's opinion of us. I'm going to say that one more time. Everything that Christ is, is actually the Father's opinion of who we are. No weapon formed against us is able to prosper is not just a statement. It's the Father's opinion of us. And to the, uh, to the degree we agree with the opinion, no no weapon formed against us is able to prosper. That opinion moves out of opinion into reality and then our identity is no weapon formed against me is able to prosper. All things work together for the good of them that love God is not just a statement. That's the Father's opinion of us, God. And to the degree we agree, when we got fired, it worked for our good. When we got in a struggle in our marriage, it worked for our good. When we lost the money, it worked for our good. To the degree we agree with that opinion, y'all ain't hearing me, it gives that opinion permission to become the glory on our lives and what the devil meant for evil actually has to 
But it's only an opinion until we actually agree. It's only opinion. Can I help you understand something? I want to mess you up today. And I know you're going to disagree with a lot of what I tell you, but it don't matter. Amen. You can let it stay as an opinion or you can start coming into agreement with it and let it become your identity. We are saved. We are sanctified. We are forgiven. We're brokers of Jesus' healing power. We're completely delivered from the lust of men and given to the will of God. We're above only and not beneath. Abiders of his, in his word and his word abides in us. We are sons of God who cast out devils, lay hands on the sick and they recover. We are rebukers of principalities who live life led by Jesus' spirit, no longer susceptible to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. We are lovers of God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The question is, do you agree? Your glory be to God. That's your glory, but it's only an opinion until you come in and me come into agreement. That's the Father's opinion of us. That's glory. That's glory. Now, I, I, I don't love God like that because I still struggle with with alcohol. Stop disagreeing. That's why it remains an opinion because you think what you see is realer than what he said. I don't care if you're still smoking. Amen. You burn for Jesus. That's the father's opinion of you. I don't care if you're still shacking. You love God more than you love sleeping with that woman or that man. That's the father's opinion. We really don't want to deal with that. The only reason why I'm saved today is because the Lord was telling me I was saved while I was still drinking. And it was at some point it actually kicked in. You, your opinion is actually more valid than everybody else's. So everybody else said I would never change, but you said I'm a changed man. Everybody else said I'd always be like that, but you said I'd be in your likeness. Everybody else said I would always lose, but you said... I guess your opinion means more. Watch this. We're so, we're, it's so key. If we're not free, I need y'all to catch this. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Glory. Somebody just bless the Lord real fast. Come on. Bless the Lord for his opinion. How much of it you got is up to you. But it's, it's going to be real bad when you have to stand before God and say, I rejected your opinion of me. I'm going to talk about that in a minute because that's what goats do. You ain't right about me. You ain't right about me. Somebody else's opinion about me is the one that's right. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble right now. You actually backing some, promoting another entity's opinion of you besides God's. If we're not free, it's because we won't agree with the Father's opinion that who the Son makes free is free indeed. If we're heavy, if you're fighting with heaviness, it's because we won't agree with the Father's opinion that his yoke is easy and his burden is. Glory is an opinion that we can only access as reality by way of a agreement. Now, this is where we're going to go for a loop, and this is where we're going to turn a little bit, and I'm just going to teach. If the state called glory is God's opinion of us, then 
the state called no glory has to be Satan's opinion of us. I'm going to say that again. If the state called glory is actually the father's opinion of us, then this condition called no glory has to be Satan's opinion of us. No glory is the enemy's opinion of us. Just like glory is transitioned out of the realm of opinion into reality by way of agreement, so no glory is transitioned out of the realm of reality in out of the realm of opinion into reality by the degree for which we agree with it. To the measure we come into agreement with the enemy's demonic opinion of us that we can never be like Christ. Can't nobody be like Jesus. Come on. We will always have an issue. Come on, whose opinion is that? I just want you to I want you to ask yourself whose opinion of you is that that you'll always have an issue, that you'll always struggle in your flesh, that you'll always be fighting with sin. Whose opinion of you is that? I'm here to tell you right now that is not your father's opinion. He says you are holy, unreprovable, and unrebukable, and you are completely complete in him. That's your enemy's opinion of you. But to the degree you agree with your enemy's opinion of you, you must take on the identity of your enemy's opinion. And so now you struggle in your flesh and you constantly fight with sin and you can't stop doing what you don't want to do, not because it has so much power, but because it has your agreement. So we wind up in live, we wind up living in non-glorious conditions of always having an issue, not entering into the likeness of Christ, fighting with our flesh, and have on uh, have all these on and off battles with sin simply because I've come into agreement with the enemy's opinion of me. Can I help you understand something that ought to make you mad, that ought to agitate you a little bit? Our current condition is a reflection of our agreement with one or two opinions. We are what we agreed with. You are right now who you agree with. Right? How can I fight him off of you when you keep on saying yes to what his opinion of you? I said you're free. You said you're fighting to get free. I said you're free. That's my opinion. But his opinion is you're still bound. And you're trying to get free. How can I free you when you keep on agreeing with his opinion? I'm tired of struggling. I don't want to struggle no more. How can I bring you out of struggling when you keep on agreeing with the enemy that says man will always struggle? Your current condition is a reflection of who you agree with. If you had a good day today, it's because you agreed with God that this is the day that the Lord has made. If you had a day, this one was going to, when you got up in the morning and you heard the enemy whispered in you through your flesh, this is going to be a tough day. I'm going to have to grind my teeth to just make it. And to the degree you came into agreement with that, you had a tough day. Your day was based off of your agreement. My day was based off of. If we're still bound, it's because we continue to agree with Satan's opinion of us. Therefore, giving that opinion called bound permission to become our reality and give us identity. If, we're, if you're still struggling in your flesh, it's because you agree with Satan's opinion that you're going to always struggle in your flesh. Right? 
Our current condition is the reflection of our agreement with one of two opinions. To the degree we either, we either um, watch this, we either agree with the opinion of the Father called glory or the opinion of the devil called no glory, we give that opinion permission to enter into the realm of our reality and give us a measure of identity. Right? I want to switch gears a little bit, but I needed us to understand that because he's going to judge us on, why is he going to judge us on how glorious we are? Because the only reason we're not is because we won't come into agreement. It's not that we don't have glory, it's just that we don't agree with the opinion. We're as glorious as, as much as we agree. We agree as much as we believe. We believe as much as we love. Faith worketh by love. So all of it comes back to one thing. I, my condition is based off of how much I actually really love God. Because the kingdom is to love the Lord. If I'm having a problem believing him, it's because I lack loving him. Amen? Faith is a love problem. And we try to make it everything else, and then we turn to positive thinking. And we turn to mind over matter. And you're trying to do something in your mind when there's something actually lacking in your heart. Amen? So let me take this a little bit further. So we understand that he's going to judge us ultimately from the throne of glory. Glory is an opinion and only, we only become glorious to the degree we agree with the Father's opinion. To the degree we aren't glorious is to that degree we have agreed with our enemy's opinion of us. There's only two opinions that we can live in. Amen. There is no neutral ground. There is no gray area. It's black or white. Amen. If y'all mind me to just stay in this teaching flow. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 32. Watch this. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the what? And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Sheep are placed by Jesus on the right hand. Where, where? Where Jesus sits, amen, where Jesus himself sits on the right hand of the Father. Goats are placed on the left hand. What does the right hand um, um, uh, represent? The right hand, if I could teach for a minute, is a divine position through which the kingdom is entered into in its fullness. The right hand is the position from which we can enter fully into the kingdom of God. He says in verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on my right hand, come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. The right hand is the place where you enter into complete inheritance of the kingdom of God. The left hand is the divine position through which everlasting punishment by fire is entered into. If you're on the left hand, that is the position before you enter into everlasting fire. Both the sheep who entered into the kingdom and the goats who entered into eternal punishment had the hand of God on their life. I need y'all to think about that for a minute. The sheep... It, it, what I'm trying to say is it ain't about having God's hand on your life. It's about having the right hand on your life. 
It don't matter that I know if you're in church, you got God's hand on your life. The question isn't whether or not you got God's hand on your life. Do you have his right hand or do you have his? Because goats still got the hand of God on their life. I know they got the hand of God on their life. Which one? I know they function in God's hand. Which one? Amen. Goats. What are goats? Goats are sheep with no glory. Goats are gloryless sheep. They are believers who confess Christ but live in agreement with the enemy's opinion of Christ's people. They are believers who confess Christ but live in agreement. God. With the enemy's opinion of God's people. They are believers who claim that to be sons of God and say sons of God are just like everyone else. Sons of God have marital issues just like everyone else. Sons of God have inward struggles and bondages like everybody else. Sons of God get depressed like everybody else. Sons of God want to commit suicide just like everybody else. Sons of God get addicted to liquor just like everybody else. Sons of God fight and sons of God are defeated by life just like everybody else. Who wants us to believe that sons of God are just like everybody Whose opinion is that of the sons of God? Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Man, it's bigger than that. No, we don't have marriages like everybody else. No, we don't raise children like everybody else. No, we don't get depressed like everybody else. No, we don't fall like everybody else. As a matter of fact, the earth is waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God to be revealed. That's your opinion because you don't want manifest. That's goat ministry. That's left-hand ministry. You can actually minister out of that and have God's hand on what you're doing. I felt God's hand. You sure did. His left one. Amen. Whose opinion of the sons? I know this is very, very much sobering, but we need this right now because God is lifting us up and we cannot forget our assignment. Glory be to God to bring revelatory light to the body of Christ. The reason why God has given us more regional territory is because men are in darkness. Men are like sheep without a shepherd. Men do not. They see light. They see darkness as light. Amen. As a result, goats are believers with no glory on their lives because of their agreement with the enemy. So God's hand is on their life. It's just his left hand. What is the left hand? The left hand is the hand of demonic judgment. The ultimate judgment of the entire kingdom of darkness flows from the left hand. From the left hand, the entire kingdom of darkness shall be judged. Amen. Dark will burn. I know you didn't understand that because you just think it's dark as something incorporeal, but God is able to burn darkness. Amen. He says, depart from me, you curse, talking about the left hand, you curse into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The, goat get, the goats get what's prepared for the devil because of their agreement with the devil. 
the ghosts get, the left hand is prepared for the devil, but the ghosts get what's prepared for the devil because they, of their agreement with the devil. We can't agree with him in life and expect not to go with him in death. How you think? How can we believe we can go somewhere else after death when we've agreed with him our whole life? This is what we got to understand about ghosts. Can I teach this? Amen. Come on. Do, do believers get depressed like everybody else? That's a lie. Come on. Do believers sin just like that's a lie? Ghosts don't simply represent believers in general. They represent believers in ministry. Y'all got to understand this. They don't re just represent people in church. They represent people serving in church. Those who serve the hungry. Those who serve the thirsty. Those who, who cover the naked. Those who visit those who are in prison. The reason why they are punished into everlasting fire is because through bringing believers under their ministry, they actually bring them into agreement with the enemy. To the degree people submit to their ministry, they come into agreement with the enemy. And I'm going to cover that in a minute. The most sobering reality in all of that is the fact that they have the slightest clue that that's what they're doing. They're they amass masses of people all for the sake of bringing them to agreement with the devil and don't even know that that's what they're doing. Sheep, on the other hand, are men and women who have glory on their lives because they rest in the Father's opinion of their lives. They progressively become glorious. If you're dealing with a son, the same splendor they walked in last year won't be the splendor they walk in the next year. If you, When you're dealing with a son, if you see them two years from when you last saw them, you're going to look at them and say, my God, they're brighter than they've ever been. When you deal with a son, you you, you see the, they're hungrier for God than they were two years ago. They, they're more passionate for God than they were ten years ago. Because now what a son does, a son progressively becomes more glorious and more glorious and more glorious. Let me help you understand something, saints of God. The reason why we're glorious remnant revival community is because he's going to judge us from a throne of glory and God has given us an atmosphere. He's given us a culture where we can enter into glory to glory to glory to glory. You're responsible not, not, not just not to sin but to become glorious. I sin today. How much glory did you enter into today? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Sin is actually not being glorious. The only reason why you sleep with women, the only reason why you want to sleep around with women is because you're not glorious. Sin is the result of people who don't have glory. Once you have glory, man, I want, they're not. What you mean sleep with a woman? My God, I'm one with God. What you mean drink? My God. Are you out of your mind? Do you know the level of life and freedom and liberty I'm living in? That ain't even a second thought. We're only tempted to the degree we're not, we haven't entered into glory. Glory is the answer for victory. Not rules. Rules are just to help you understand you don't have good aim. 
You're aiming not to sin this week. That ain't. We're aiming, you got people in church aiming not to do it this week, not to get mad this week. Man, become glorious this week. Amen. We, we, we have to revise our aim. I just want to walk in peace the whole week, become glorious. And you'll walk in peace for the rest of your life. Amen. So, so, watch this. This is so key. The sheep, this is so profound about this. If you read this, the sheep didn't fully realize what they had accomplished for the king. While the goats didn't realize what they hadn't accomplished for the king. One of them didn't realize how they advanced the kingdom. The other one didn't realize they didn't do anything at all for the kingdom. They said, to the sheep, those who were entering into glory, Jesus said, when I was hungered, you fed me. You gave me meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was in prison, you came to me. Oh, glory be to God. When I was sick, you visited me. Right? He goes over all those things. And then, you know what the sheep say? What do we do that? They didn't even realize they had advanced the kingdom. They didn't realize how much the king and his kingdom was represented through them. While the goats, on the other hand, he comes to and says, when I was hungry, you gave me no meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. When I was a prisoner, you, ca you came not to me. When I was sick, you did not visit me. When did we not? I tell you, when you didn't do it to the least of them. So one of them didn't realize how effective they were for the kingdom, while the other didn't realize they weren't effective at all for the kingdom. Right? Now watch this, because it's so profound. I believe the goats never realized what they hadn't done, that they hadn't done anything at all for the kingdom because what they had done in ministry was so widely celebrated by man. What isn't advancing the kingdom will always be more popular than what is. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If your aim is to be popular, then you need to go on the goat side. Because now if you're going to do kingdom, it ain't going to be popular. It ain't going to be what everybody is putting posters out about, what everybody's running to, what everybody's celebrating. As a matter of fact, most people won't even realize you're advancing the kingdom. Amen. Goats think ministry is a popularity contest. So they spend more time putting out posters than they do praying. They spend more time trying to self-promote than they do sanctifying themselves. They spend more time in public than they do in secret. They want to be seen instead of learn how to hide. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Amen? It says here, now watch this, Matthew 25, verse number 35. Amen? So I need you to understand, if you're going to do kingdom, if, if me and you're going to, which we are, it's going to be have a profound impact for heaven. But it will never be popular. It will never be politically correct. And it will always be more honored from afar than it is submitted to up close. There'll always be Herods that respect John. 
but want to keep Herodias. And no, if I really come under John's ministry, I ain't going to be able to. Amen. Matthew 25, verse number 35. Watch this. For I was a hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Verse 36, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. The sixfold ministry accomplished by the sheep that were not accomplished by the goats. Sixfold ministry. It represents the kingdom. It is now what's done for the king. Amen. You did this to me. All right. Hungry, and you gave me meat. Thirsty, and you gave me drink. Stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, and you visited me. In prison, and you came to me. Six things. First of all, hungry, and you gave me meat. Now, we got to understand, there is a surface level where you have soup kitchens. And that you have places for people who are hungry where you feed the hungry. But he is not talking about feeding the hungry fried chicken. He is not talking about feeding the hungry steak, giving them meat. My meat is to do the will of him who God. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. I am the bread that came down from heaven that a man may eat and live forever. For my flesh is meat indeed and my blood, I'm going to talk about drink. And my blood is drink in. Everybody follow what I'm saying? Put up that first slide. I'm going to put it up there. I'm, I'm going to just go over it real fast. Hungry and you gave me meat. Ain't talking about natural meat. Watch this. Quickly, quickly, if we can. Um, John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is what? My flesh is meat. I was hungry and you gave me my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Verse 34, John 4, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him who, and to finish his meat represents Jesus' body and Jesus' will. Meat represents Jesus' body and Jesus' will. When I was hungry, he's talking about people who are hungry for change. He's talking about people who are tired of sinning and they want to, and they're hungry for a breakthrough. He's talking about people who are trying, tired of trying to do it on their own and they're hungry for a real relationship with God. What Jesus is saying is, you didn't feed me coping strategies. You didn't give me five to ten principles to follow for free. You didn't give me good ideas that I can try to see if it worked for you because it worked for me. You fed me Jesus, my God. You fed me the meat that comes down from heaven that a man may eat and I can keep on living. Do you understand what meat does? He says you can keep on living. When you want to change, you never want to not change again. When you want to walk with God, you never not want to walk. When you get this meat, 
you fed me Jesus and his will. My meat is to do the will. Our problem is I want to know the will of God for my life. You ain't being fed. Ain't nobody giving you your, no meat. You ain't got to figure out the will of God for your life. Eat, eat, eat meat. The will of God for your life is Jesus' will. I got glory be to God. My meat is to do the, I need to know the will of God for my life. The will of God, man, you need to eat. Ain't nobody giving you your, you ain't ate no meat. We ain't got no will. His will is our will. You fed me Jesus and his will. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me self-focus. You didn't feed me self-examination. You didn't feed me self-esteem. Come on, you just got to try harder. You got to feel good about yourself. You got to believe in yourself. You got to think positive. You got to believe that you are good. You got to believe that you're there. You fed me God's opinion of me. You fed me the meat that said I'm holy and I'm blamable and unreprovable. You fed me the meat that said I got a right to be adopted. And although they called me a drug addict, I am now a son of God. Even though it does not yet appear what I should be. You fed me meat. When I asked, I want my marriage to change. I don't want to lose it. You fed me and the two shall become one flesh. You didn't give me a book. You didn't try to give me. 10 steps. You told me the only way this is going to work. You got to eat this meat called 2-1. See, there's people feeding people stuff, but it ain't meat. It's self-help. It's humanism. It's humanism. It's the strength and strategies and mental mental concoctions of men. It's not me. Therefore, it doesn't last. You know why people need motivation every morning? Because they ain't never ate meat. You know what meat is? Meat is life. You need motivation because you ain't ate life yet. Life will wake up when you still sleep. Start jumping in your belly like a baby. Amen. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was thirsty, you gave me my blood is drink indeed. Drink represents Jesus' blood. Watch this which cleanses us as drink. Please don't get tired yet. In other words, it gives us inward cleansing and inward. You gave me drink. My blood is drink. The blood is drink. It is not designed to alter our outward action, but to transform our inward condition. The blood cleanses us from the inside out. The blood cleanses our inward condition to the degree we no longer have to be told not to carry out certain actions. Sheep give now the thirsty drink. Goats give them a bath. 
Sheep give drinks, goat gives baths. You know what a bath is? It focuses on the outward actions. If you want to stop drinking, you got to make sure you never be around anybody drinking anymore. That ain't drink, that's a bath. All you're doing is dealing with the outward action, and I've never been changed inwardly, so I go six months without ever drinking, but the moment I mess around and hang out too late with my cousins, I'm getting busted again because I got a bath and not a drink. Goats teach behavior modification. When you get mad, just tell your husband or wife you got to walk away. Don't talk to me right now because I want to obey God. Bath. You need to get a drink. Well, if you stand right in their face, you still don't say nothing stupid. That's still behavior modification. You're going to teach other people. I'll tell you what you do is you just got to walk away when you get mad. That's not a drink. That's a bath. Let me give you drink. The peace of God shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let me give you drink. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let me give you drink. Say no idle words. For by thy words thou shall be justified. And by thy words thou shall be condemned. Take this drink. And stop trying to uh, modify your behavior so you won't have to transform. You need to stay because you want to curse. You don't leave because you're going to curse. You need to stay until you don't want to curse no more. Take a drink instead of trying to take a bath. Ghosts give baths, sheep give drinks. Drink this blood. And let it wash you. And let it cleanse you. You got to watch who you're around. So you can, I don't care who I'm around. I done drank this blood. I don't care everybody. If everybody else around me is cursing, I'm not going to curse. If everybody else around me is drinking, I'm not going to drink. If everybody else around me is sleeping around, I'm not going to sleep around. If everybody else around me is watching pornography, I'm not going to watch pornography. If everybody else around me is focused on everything but God, that's not going to make me not focus on everything but God. You got to take a drink so God can put you in the middle of darkness and turn you on as a light. Uh, why in the world? Oh, the whole point is to put you in darkness because the light shines in the darkness. So now what God says is there are people who are dark, God is putting in the middle of darkness. Say, the moment I got saved, the moment I stopped drinking, everybody wanted to bring a drink around because God wanted to show you whether or not you really took a drink. Glory be to God. Because if you took a drink of the blood, your uncle can come, your cousin can come, your mama can come and drink, your sister can come and drink, and you're not going to drink because you drank the blood. The moment you say yes to deliverance, the moment everything around you that you said you was going to stop doing is going to come. You know why God does that many times to force us to drink what we ain't drank yet? The blood. I wish I could get a witness. You know when you finally said you wasn't going you wasn't going to run around with women and men no more every man and every woman start paging you start calling you you start bumping into them everywhere y'all laughing because y'all know I'm telling the truth because the Amen 
So, so number three, stranger, watch this, stranger and you took me in. I was a stranger and you, he's not talking about bringing you into his house. I was a stranger and you took me into Christ. I was a stranger and you brought me in. I thought I knew him, but I only knew him from the standpoint of asking him to help me. I didn't know him from the standpoint of being in him. And so I thought I knew him, but I was still a stranger and you took me in. You brought me into him and you taught me that in him I live. You taught me that in him I move. You taught me that in him I have my being. You taught me that in the name of Jesus ain't a statement, but in the name of Jesus is a dimension I live the rest of my life in. I am not in a statement. I'm in a man. And when I go to work, I'm in a man. When I go home, I'm in a man. When I talk to my wife, I'm in a man. When I raise my children, I'm in a man. You took me in. I was a stranger. I thought I knew God because when I needed help, you just call on them. What you if you got to call on them every time you need help, you still a stranger. Cuz I didn't know him from the standpoint of atonement yet. I was a stranger. And you did what? You brought me into him where I could know him from the place of atonement. At one minute. Come on, I'm hoping y'all catching this right here. And I know I'm moving a little bit slower than normal, but I need you to get this. Because what you know what ghosts do? Ghosts tell you about Jesus. Ghosts tell you if you need him, you better call on him. Ghosts tell you when you get in trouble, you better know who to pray to. Amen. Ghosts tell you all that. And they leave you as strangers. They never take you in. He ain't talking about taking you in his house. Come on. I'm talking about taking you into Christ. But you're in ministry, but you're taking nobody in. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Now watch this. The next one, naked, and you clothed me, right? Naked, and you did what? Clothed me. That means I have no shirt and no pants. There is a dimension of reality where somebody don't have clothes, you put clothes on them. But he's talking about being clothed in Christ. I was naked, and you clothed me in Christ. Put up that next slide for me. Watch this. For all of you were baptized where? Into Christ have clothed yourself, what? With Christ. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 27, right? In the Passion Translation. It was faith that immersed you into, who is Jesus? <clears throat> the anointed one, and now you are covered and clothed with his. For all of you who are baptized into Christ don't mean Jesus. Christ ain't Jesus. Jesus was the Christ. For all of you were baptized into the anointing. We are supposed to be clothed in the anointing. To be clothed in Christ is to be clothed in the anointing. You're naked until you're anointed. And someone who is anointed can clothe you in the anointing. You're naked until you're anointed. 
Because he doesn't clothe us in Jesus. We are clothed in Christos, the anointing. If you're not, until we're, I want to know my anointing. You know, you need to get clothed because we're naked until we're anointed. There is no such thing as an unanointed believer. That's why all of us shall cast out devils. That's why all of us shall lay hands on the sick. That's why all of us will take up serpents. And if we're not, we ain't got clothed yet. The only reason why we think that's for certain people is because we're so used to being led by folk who ain't clothed. The goat gave no clothes. He said, I was naked and you did what? You didn't clothe me. You put no anointing on me. The goat will clothe you in denomination. The goat will clothe you in strategies to grow the church. The goat will clothe you in good ideas. The goat will clothe you in principles of motivation, but not in anointing. The goat will, will rally you around a goal, right? These aren't clothes. So those who are naked are never clothed because they've submitted to what they call a covering that has no clothing. What happens when your covering has no clothing? But they're your covering. We do not clothe men in the desire to see the, save, the lost saved. That is not clothing. That's assignment. And you cannot wear an assignment. You put on clothes so you can do an assignment. Look, look we got to rally so we can see the, 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 what do we do before we go to work? You put clothes on. Naturally, you understand, I can't work if I don't put no clothes on. I can't work naked. Why am I trying to put, I'm trying to put you to work and you ain't even got clothed yet. Assignment is an attire, anointing is. Amen. We can't clothe the men in wanting to see the lost saved. We can't clothe men in pastor's anniversaries. We can't clothe men in usher's ministry services. And some of you wonder why I have so deorganized because I've seen too many naked people. And I know you ain't gonna never get clothed spending three hours trying to plan a program and you can't spend 30 minutes in passionate, fiery praise and worship unto God. I need to stop the assignment so I can teach you how to put on the anointing. I want pastor to tell me what to do. Go adore him. That's what you, that's your assignment right now. Adore him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, day and night delight. Bless him at all times. Bless, lift your hands up when you don't feel like lifting your hands up. Cry out unto him until you feel something. Come on, continue to bless him until tears flow down your face. Get up in the morning and say, God, I am not going to close my eyes until I hear your voice for myself and I feel your spirit. Do that. He is Jesus he is Jesus Christos. Do you know how you get anointed? You encounter. 
he does not have oil, he is oil. To the degree you encounter him, you're clothed in the anointing. Amen? He can't touch you without getting oil on you. Amen? Clothing, now watch this. We're not called to wear an assignment. We're called to do an assignment. But we can only do an assignment after we're properly attired in the anointing. Amen? Why have we slowed down on so many things? The reason why we slow down on so many things is because it's too much nakedness in the house of God. And when you're naked, you're ashamed. You're still doing stuff you're ashamed of. You're still hiding stuff. Amen? You got to be covered. And not by fig leaves. Amen? Sick. The next one now. Watch this. Y'all mind if I teach this? Sick and you visited me. That word sick does not mean physically ailing from the standpoint of having a fever or pneumonia or any of those things. It means feeble. It means impotent and it means weak. It means to be weak, to be without strength. Right? That word sick doesn't mean physically sick. I'm reiterating it. It means mentally, psychologically, and emotionally weak. It means weak. I was weak mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and you visited me. When I was weak, you visited me. You came and looked upon me in order to help me, to benefit me, to care for me, to speak into me. The key is you visited me. You did not stay with me. I'm trying to help you understand something. The key is you visited me. You did not stay with me. You didn't stay with me when I was sick because you knew I didn't have to stay sick. You came and prayed with me, spent time with me, spoke over me, and then left me because I am not going to stay after I gave you what you need to no longer be weak. When you're operating out of right-hand ministry, you don't stay with the sick. You only visit them. My God. (laughs) If they choose to stay after you visit, then you understand that they're not staying weak because they have to. Right-hand ministry makes you accountable to properly respond to the exhortation and comfort of the word of God. Right? You know what GOAT ministry does? GOAT ministry doesn't visit you, it stays with you. Some people just have a harder time than others. Right? Everybody is different. And for them, the word of God and even the presence of God isn't enough. They just need to see something. They just need to, to, to know you're there. They just need to know someone cares. They just need someone to stay with them. And the longer you stay with them, the longer they'll stay where they are. You saw me sick and you didn't visit me means you never thought or you never held me accountable to properly respond to the word. 
Ghosts won't hold you. I know you got the word, but I know you just want somebody to be there. I know you. See, ghosts don't hold you accountable for hearing the word. They will agree with you that the word wasn't enough. I need something else. That is not the kingdom. The kingdom comes by one means, hearing. And it don't matter how long I stay if you don't listen. Amen? And so now, goat ministry never teaches people how accountable they are to the words they hear and help, them and, and help people believe that they can actually need something outside of the word that gave them what they needed to no longer be weak. But sheep only visit. Amen? Sheep drop that word of life on you and keep moving. Sheep will sit there and pray with you and they keep moving. Amen? Because I know what was spoken over you. I know it was imparted into you. I know what was declared over your life and what you got was enough for me to know if I leave, you ain't going to stay. If you heard. Amen? And if you didn't, I'm only visiting. I'll come back through, but you ain't going to call me every night of the week. We don't like stuff like that because we like goats. We don't want nobody visiting us. We want somebody staying with us because we actually think that's the way of God. All right. I'm going to leave that alone because I know y'all got real. In prison, in prison and you came unto me. Ain't that crazy? You didn't visit me in prison. You came unto me in prison. It seemed like that should have been flipped. I visit you when you're sick, but I come to you when you're in prison. Came, do you understand what that word came actually means? It actually is the Greek word that means to come and go. Or it means came and went. I was in prison and you came and went. I was in prison and you come and go. To come to you in prison is to say, I came to the prison you're in and left it. So you're not stuck in it. I came and went. The prison you're in right now, I was in and I went. I came to the prison of addiction and went. I came to the prison of pornography and went. I came to the prison of offense and went. I came to the prison of anger and went. So your prison isn't really a prison. You can actually come and go. God, I wish we could read. You could actually come and go. There, guess what? There are no guards keeping you in that prison. Just like I come and go, didn't I? You can come and go. So you leave when you get ready, not when you fight yourself out. <laughs> you were I was in prison and you came and went you said oh man you ain't stuck there 
I drank more liquor than you. <laughs> you ain't there because you got to be. Amen. You can come and go as you please. Left hand ministry or gold ministry doesn't come to you in prison. They seek to relate to you in prison. The prison of the people they're attempting to minister to, they themselves haven't left yet. People who struggle with pornography trying to minister to people who struggle with pornography. I understand why you go back into it. I understand why there's a still, fight, still a fight there. You in the same cell they're in. That's what goats do. See, I can minister to them because I know where they're coming from. People with issues in their marriage trying to minister to people with issues in their marriage. I understand. I got the same type of issues. They haven't come and went but want to tell somebody else how to manage staying. You ain't even trying to get people to leave. You're just trying to get them to manage in bondage because you still in. Amen. They haven't come and went. They come to the prison of the people they are ministering to and have not come out. So people who have the grace of Jesus on their life never come out because they have people who come but have never went. He said, I was in prison and you didn't visit me. In other words, you related to me in prison instead of telling me I could leave. I still wouldn't be drinking right now if I had somebody that would have came to me. There's some people still drinking because there's some goat that told them you're still going to struggle with drinking, but you can still love Jesus. Some goat. I was in prison. I would have left. And a goat came and told me it was okay. My marriage would have been blessed. But a goat came and told me our marriages is just like everybody else's. Amen. I'm going to read something to you, and I'm going to close this thing out. I ain't got but, but, but um, 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 one more thing. But I need y'all to understand, and I sent this article out, but I want to read it because it speaks of goat ministry. And it speaks of how debauched the kingdom has gotten and how much we can't recognize the sheep from the goats. There was a, a pastor of a major ministry that committed suicide. Last night, and God rest his soul, I have no ailments, I have no criticisms from the fact that, you know, you grieve the fact that anybody would kill themselves, and you grieve the fact that anybody would feel that hopeless. We're saved by hope. If you're hopeless enough to kill yourself, were you saved? If we're saved by hope, but you're so hopeless you killed yourself, are you in heaven? And when we're saved by hope, we don't like to deal with stuff like that, do we? We don't like to deal with issues like that because goats make sheep scared to speak up. How dare you be so insensitive? I would rather make 100 people mad and save the two suicidal people that understand suicidal thoughts are not acceptable and I can have the mind of Christ. Amen. It says, mega church pastor who was known for his work in mental health advocacy kills himself. He was known to teach mental health that it's okay for a believer to have mental health issues. You know what mental health issues are? They're self-issues. 
We're only as mentally ill as we are self-absorbed. The most miserable people in this church are the people who focus on themselves. Homosexuality is just simply homosexual. It means I, it's the ultimate apex of the love of self. I love myself so much, I want to make love to something that look like me. And anytime I love myself like that, I'll be mental, mentally ill because the only way I can know him is if I deny myself and I'm so flat out in love with myself that I'm making love to something that looks like me. Obviously, I'm going to be mentally ill. We're as mentally ill as we are self-absorbed. We're only as miserable as we are me-focused. Some of you are really, really tired right now because you focus more on being tired than getting the word of God. You're only miserable in your sleepiness because you focus on your sleepiness. Amen? It says, Mega Pastor, who was known for his work in mental illness, in mental health advocacy, kills himself. Now, look at what it says. Jared Wilson, a popular pastor known for his work in mental health advocacy at a Southern California megachurch, has died by suicide. Senior Pastor Greg Laurie with Harvest Christian Fellowship Church said in a statement, Wilson joined the church as an associate pastor last year and has since spoken out many times about the issue of mental health, Laurie said. Wilson and his wife founded an outreach, founded a ministry in God's name called Anthem of Hope, designed to help people dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts. Jared also repeatedly dealt with depression and was very open about his ongoing struggles, Lori said. He wanted to especially help those who were dealing with suicidal thoughts. He is survived by his wife, Julie, and two young sons, according to Lori's post. On his verified Twitter page, Wilson had posted several times about September as National Suicide Prevention Month. In a post on Monday, he wrote, loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Whose opinion is that? I'm going to say that again so you can know that came straight from the pits of hell. Love it. How can you be in love with Jesus and he will let, take all of your love but still leave you a victim to suicide? You know what it means to love God? To obey him. He said, if you love me, you obey me. You don't obey me because you love me. Uh, glory be to God. You don't, uh, let me put it this way. You obey me because you love me. You don't obey me to love me. Right? How could I, I carry out the act of ultimate disobedience, which is murder? I don't care if you murdered yourself, it's still murder. Killing, and he's life. I do the complete opposite of life and say I love God. That can only be accepted in a dark church. That's a lie. Amen? It says here, Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. Who wants us to believe that? That his love doesn't have power. Whose opinion is that? But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He'll be there and watch you put the gun to your head and blow your brains out. He'll still be your companion all the way. Who wants you to believe that? 
that he doesn't have the power to tell the demon that's telling you to put the gun, bullets in the gun and blow your brains out. Rebuke it. Hey, but how are you going to tell me that, 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 that loving Jesus doesn't mean not being delivered from suicide when there was a maniac by the garden of Gadarenes who had enough demons in him to fill 2,000 pigs who when those demons went in those 2,000 pigs, they jumped over the cliff and committed suicide. It was enough power of the spirit of suicide to cause 2,000 pigs to commit suicide and one encounter. My God. One encounter with the love of God and suicide bowed its knee. That's a lie. And he was found clothed in his right. He was found clothed in his right mind. Now watch this. I'm going to read the rest of this and then I'm, I'm going I'm to close. But I, I need y'all to hear this because we have to be willing to be light and we have to be willing to say the hard things. And it don't have to be in a nasty way. The last activity on his Twitter account was to retweet, we, excuse me, was a retweet of the Anthem of Hope page. The original post contains 24-7 chat feature and reads, lonely, depressed, need someone to talk to. You don't have to do this alone. On her unverified Instagram account, Wilson's wife wrote, he was a loving, giving, kind-hearted, encouraging, handsome, hilarious, give the shirt off his back husband. No more pain, my Jerry. No more struggle, she wrote. You are made complete and you are finally free. When are we free? When are we complete? Right now. Not when we die. That sounds like somebody who's buried their talent. Suicide and depression fed you the worst lies, but you knew the truth. Well, why did you carry out the act of the lie? So what that's saying is you can know the truth but still follow and carry out a lie. That's another lie. You can't know the truth and still live in a lie. I know it ain't right to sleep around. If you're still sleeping around, you, know, you don't know that. You got a mental note of that. You don't know nothing. Amen? Knowing means doing. Amen? I know it's wrong to curse. You still curse? No, you don't. That's a lie. You can't know the truth without living in it. Because the truth isn't an idea. The truth is a man. Amen? Suicide and depression fed you the worst lies, but you knew the truth of Jesus, and I know you're by his side right this very second. And guess what those who feed off goat ministry are saying right now? They're crying right now. God loves us so much that even if I take this gun I'm thinking about and put it to my head and blow my brains out too, I can be right by his side tonight. I can do that too. You know what it gives them hope to do? Hope to commit suicide. Y'all know that, right? You know how many more people are going to kill themselves because of that? Who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Pastors are just people. Get the next part. In her post, Julie Wilson said that suicide doesn't get the last word. 
I won't let it, she said. Julie Wilson wrote her husband's work led thousands to the feet of Jesus. And his willingness to share his struggle with anxiety and depression has helped so many other people feel like they weren't alone. You are an anthem of hope to everyone, baby. And I'll do my best to continue your legacy of love until my last breath, she wrote. Lori, the pastor with the Harvest Church, wrote in his post, sometimes people may think that as a pastor or spiritual leaders, we are somehow above the pain and struggles of everyday people. We are the ones who are supposed to have all the answers, but we do not. At the end of the day, pastors are just people who need to reach out to God for his help and strength each and every day. I know you love God. I know you come to church and I know you pray, but you just like everybody else. You weak just like everybody else. You will be defeated just like everybody else. You'll struggle just like everybody else. Who that sound like to you? Even if you're a pastor, you're no different. Who that sound like? Whose opinion is that? That's the enemy's opinion. And so guess what pastors are doing that have been fighting with anxiety and depression? I can accept this and it's okay. And I can teach my people to accept this and it's okay. And it's okay. Amen. I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was in prison and you, 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 you came to me. I was sick and you, you visited me. Right? But on the other hand, I was a hungry and you did not feed me. You fed me that foolishness. You did not give me drink. You did not visit me. You said it's okay for me to stay here. It's okay to stay with suicidal thoughts. It's okay for you to be depressed. You never came and went, but you're trying to tell people how to live. Right. To my left hand. You, that means God's hand is still on their, their life, right? God's hand is on their life to draw everybody that will not receive eternal life. They're anointed to draw crowds. They actually have God's hand on their life to deceive. It's just his left hand. Everybody standing to you. This is, this is what I'm saying. If depression ever comes, if anxiety ever comes, if these things ever come, you are not condemned because those things come. But that is not who you are. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Symptoms don't make you what those symptoms say you are. We are not what we see. We are who he said we are. I'm not condemning anybody for, for struggling with things, but I'm telling you right now, there is a way out for you. There's a way out for you. Come on. You can eat his flesh and drink his blood. You can confess his grace and his mercy. You can say yes to being glorious. I want to pray for this house tonight because I believe that there's